Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris, here as always with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if that sounds good to you, you'll definitely want to go over and subscribe to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed over on iTunes and Spotify. All of our new episodes drop there every Monday morning, bright and early. And you won't miss a thing if you subscribe to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed there. At Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, and at A to Z Sports on Twitter. Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports National and A to Z Sports National.com for everything that Zach writes. Well, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. We skipped last week. I tweeted about it uh, over the weekend. Was in Nashville with my wife. We were in the Starbucks parking lot getting her uh, Starbucks in the morning. And she slipped on black ice, broke her arm, and that was a great time. Spent a little, spent my morning in the ER in, uh, in I believe, Wilson County, Tennessee. That was really cool. And so, because of that, <laughs> we skipped uh, we skipped recording last week. I apologize, but we are back and better than ever, frankly. And my, my wife is on a minute. And thank you, I'll say this, thank you to all of the well wishes of ever, uh, everybody on Twitter. Uh, some folks said some some really kind things. Uh, I showed it to my wife. She says thank you also. Um, but beyond that, a lot has happened as it uh, pertains to Tennessee sports in the last couple of weeks. We're going to talk about the the basketball team later and kind of the sour turn that that whole situation has taken. Unfortunately, it really sucks, and I wish that was not the case, but... That always seems to be what happens with Tennessee sports nowadays. Uh, but we'll talk about that near the end of the show. But first, what we missed since the last time we recorded was two different quarterbacks that Tennessee wanted saying a no to the Vols, primary among them being Ty Simpson, a five-star recruit who committed to Alabama. But all of the news was before Pruitt got fired that he was probably going to end up at end up at uh, Tennessee. Pruitt gets fired. He's going to Alabama. And then Sam Horn, another guy uh, who was on Tennessee's shortlist, just sort of out of the blue tonight, uh, committed to Missouri. So there's everything to start us off on yet another bright note <laughs> in, in uh, Tennessee sports. Zach, what's up, man? Yeah, this is a, this is a tough one to spin because... Yeah, you know, Sam Horn kind of committed to, to Missouri literally, you know, minutes before we started recording. And after Ty Simpson said he was going to Alabama on Friday, I wrote a a column, a couple of columns, but I wrote one column kind of saying why why it's not a big deal that Ty Simpson picked Alabama over Tennessee. 
And pretty much the the crux of the article was that Sam Horn is there uh, for Tennessee to to recruit, to hopefully bring bring into this class. He grew up a Tennessee fan. He knows Knoxville really well. I think he said in an interview he knows Knoxville better than the new coaching staff knows Knoxville. And earlier this afternoon, you kind of started. Hear, I started hearing some whispers that that Sam Horn might be committing tonight, uh, somewhere or soon might be committing soon somewhere other than Tennessee. And those whispers turned out to be true. Missouri, of all places, I hear he has a pretty good relationship with uh, Eli Drinkwitz there, the the head coach at Missouri. It's it's not good. I mean, I kind of felt like Sam Horn was a better fit for Tennessee, even than Ty Simpson. Just his playing style kind of fits in Josh Heupel's offense. I really like him as a prospect. Uh, he he's kind of similar to Ty Simpson in a way. They're both baseball players, which which I think is a great trait for a quarterback to have these days. You see it in Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray and some of these other Russell Wilson, some of these really successful NFL quarterbacks in the playing style. This is tough. There's no good way to spin this one. I really just feel bad for Josh Heupel in the situation because I in conversations past that we had about. The quarterback recruits, I mean, I basically said, the one thing that I could assure you will get me hyped about Hypel, get me on the Hypel train, so to speak. God, that's stupid. I'm never going to say that again. Um, <laughs> we promised but, we wouldn't go with the uh, the Hypel-isms <laughs> like we have the past few coaches. Oh, yeah. Please don't put that on a t-shirt, guys. Don't do it. Um <laughs> But the, the only thing that could have really gotten me in, in a short-term sense to get hyped would have, would have been Ty Simpson. I think Sam Horn to a, a slightly lesser extent, but I still would have been like, hey, that's a good recruit, good grab. Um, let, let's let's go. That, that's a nice first get for Heupel. Whiffs on both. I feel bad for the guy because he never stood a chance. Let's be completely no. honest. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, someone please explain this to me um why would ty simpson want to play for jeremy pruitt over a josh heupel now i get pruitt had all of the time building up to make his case and do all that stuff and heupel hasn't had any that's part of the reason why i feel bad for josh heupel he has had jack squat time to do any kind of work with these kids and build a relationship but Pruitt's offense was one of the worst things I've ever seen. It was absolute garbage from top to bottom. I can't believe that he actually put that product out there on the field. Um, and he wanted to come play in that. And instead, now he's going to go to Alabama, which is best offense in America. And it's not even really close. So I can't blame him there. But I don't get why why Pruitt over, over potentially a, a super high-powered offense with Heupel. I think it comes down to Pruitt was probably selling Ty Simpson on Tennessee is just a quarterback away. And I imagine that was the message because you saw the play from Jared Garantano, JT Shrout, Brian Maurer. The quarterback struggles were obvious, but that that's not because those guys weren't talented. Even Garantano had talent. They just had no development. And that's Chris Winkie, uh, Jim Chaney, the whole offensive staff and, Oddly enough, Simpson had a great relationship with Chris Winkie. That's the only thing I could figure. But look, this is all on Jeremy Pruitt, all of this, because sure, if Pruitt is at Tennessee, Ty Simpson's at Tennessee has kind of been the narrative here. But 
you can't ignore the violations and the and the stuff that happened in the report that that happened in December. That stuff happened. Like there's no undoing that. And even if they fight to keep Jeremy Pruitt and Fulmer gets his wish and Pruitt stays, the NCAA is still coming with those violations. And that alone was going to keep Ty Simpson from ever playing at Tennessee. If you're a five-star quarterback, you're not going to play somewhere where you might not even play in a bowl game for a couple of years. Why would you do that when Clemson and Alabama are on the phone with you trying to get you to go there? I, I don't think Simpson was ending up at Tennessee once the violations happened. And then on top of that, Jeremy Pruitt put all of his eggs in the one basket with Simpson. He did not recruit Sam Horn at all. And you you have to have multiple lines out there with these quarterbacks because until they sign, you don't have them. Uh, you, you don't know what's going to happen through the recruiting process. You have no idea, especially when Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney are involved. Those are two of the best recruiters in college football. They're better recruiters than Jeremy Pruitt. You cannot just assume you're getting Ty Simpson because you have a good relationship with him. So to completely ignore Sam Horn through this whole process, and that's the reason he's going to Missouri, or at least he's committed for now to Missouri, Josh Heupel's had, what, a month to build a relationship with Horn? And he's been talking to Horn. Obviously, Simpson uh, was their focus, which we now know uh, for 25 days based on some comments from Ty Simpson that Josh Heupel was completely wasting his time with Ty Simpson and maybe could have been working a little harder on Sam Horn. That appears to be the case now. The The situation just stinks all the way around. There, There's not... We can't sugarcoat this for you. I mean, I know. The, the last episode, I got some grief from people about, oh, you're so negative on the defensive coordinator hire. It wasn't necessarily negative on the defensive coordinator hire. It just didn't inspire me and there were major signs that the situation at Tennessee is just perceived in the coaching community as totally toxic and we had to talk about that okay and in this situation (laughs) I want to say good things about Tennessee but Pruitt screwed the pooch with the whole thing screwed Tennessee out of Ty Simpson screwed Tennessee into NCAA violations and screwed over Josh Heupel I mean Jeremy Pruitt is the catalyst for all of this, make no mistake at all. I, I got a couple of different responses to when I, I just tweeted some silly gif initially when Ty Simpson uh, committed to, to Alabama. It was just some, it was like disappointed Stephen A. Smith or something like doing a thousand yard stare, you know, just some dumb. And, and I got a couple of different responses and somebody, somebody said a number of people said this, but um, I, let, let me just look at exactly what the response was I'm not going to say anybody by actual name if they don't want to be talked about, but uh, I don't care what these kids say. If they're supposedly a huge Vol fan all their life and then choose another school, pardon my skepticism about them being all this and all that with the Vols, uh, bring me Salter. He wants to be here. And I said that I'll start off by saying I'm excited about Caden Salter. I think he's a really exciting player. He has been committed to Tennessee in a way that I don't know why he's that committed to Tennessee, frankly. Um, it's been impressive. I'm excited to see what he can do, especially in Heupel's offense. He he just really looks like a cool prospect, and, and I can't wait to see kind of where he goes. But I'll start by saying that and then say this was my response to that reply. I don't care if a kid was a Tennessee football fan. I cannot in 
any way fault Ty Simpson for choosing Alabama or Clemson in this situation. Tennessee hasn't given these kids a reason to come to Tennessee. And, I, you know, there's a thousand reasons to not come here. And in Ty Simpson's case, the one reason was, like, hometown loyalty. He's from Martin, Tennessee, which is not even Knoxville. It's just he's just in state and maybe grew up a Tennessee fan or whatever. But, I mean, if if my kid object, I am a two-time graduate of the University of Tennessee, a lifelong Tennessee fan, and a lifelong Knoxvillian. I'm as deep in this stuff as you can get. And if I had a five-star kid that was looking at going at ten, going to Tennessee right now or had Alabama or Clemson as choices, and he said, I want to go to Alabama, I'm not going to go, no, son, you've been a Tennessee fan your whole life. No, I'm going to go, that's probably the right decision because it's totally toxic at Tennessee right now. They're in a bad spot, and you're going to win a national title if you go to Alabama. Like, I just, I can't, how could I say anything other than that, like, I get it. I wish that he would have just been faithful to, to Tennessee, faithful to Tennessee. I wish he, you know, would have just been the good Tennessee fan or whatever, chosen Tennessee. That would have been amazing. But I'm not going to say boo on this kid because he chose Alabama over Tennessee. Now, you could argue that maybe he strung Tennessee along. But again, 18-year-old kid, I'm not going to say Ill, Ill words here. But there's, I, I just can't. This is the situation that Tennessee has put itself in. is totally toxic. And for a kid to look at it and say, ah, I'm going to go to the best team in America. And they're the best team in America by a country mile. Uh, I'm not going to look at that kid and be like, no, that's dumb. No, he's making a business decision and it's smart. And so that is just the situation that Tennessee is in right now. Yeah, I mean, it, none of this is on Josh Heupel. No, at all. not at all. And I've seen... And I think most people understand that. I have seen a few comments on social media and some tweets and stuff kind of blame Hypel and, oh, Hypel can't recruit, can't get the guy. He was was way – I mean, Jeremy Pruitt set this guy up for complete and total failure. The stuff that he's going against right now isn't just the perception. It's like we said, these violations, the unknown of what the NCAA is going to do, which I think is probably worse – than whatever sanctions Tennessee gets hit with is just not knowing. Um, I think I think it was Sam Horn that maybe said in an interview at one point that he asked Heupel about the sanctions or, or what was going to happen with the NCAA stuff. And Heupel straight up told him he doesn't know. And he, he can't really give him an answer. And that that's tough when you, you can't answer that question that the recruit has and every other school in the SEC pretty much can answer those questions that, it really puts you, you know, way behind in trying to recruit these guys. Now, there is good news. I mean, the good news is is that Tennessee has a proven quarterback developer that doesn't need a four- or five-star quarterback to succeed. Josh Heupel can get plenty out of a talented three-star guy. He can get plenty out of the guys on the on the roster. Salter, Harrison Bailey, Hendon Hooker, even Brian Maurer, I think he could probably turn into a decent quarterback. And there's other quarterbacks in the 2022 cycle. I mean, number three on the list is Taven Jackson that they've uh, offered today. 2022 guy, three-star quarterback. You know, he's not Sam Horn. He's not Ty Simpson, but he's six foot five, pro-style guy that that's a talented kid that has interest from plenty of Power Five programs. He's not at the top of their list, but he's still a guy that they could get that I think Heupel could probably do pretty well with. Yeah, and and as I already said. 
you have Caden Salter on the line, you got the transfer from Virginia Tech, and you have Harrison Bailey. I mean, you have pieces to work with at quarterback. This is not the end of the world. It just continues the the narrative of how rough of a spot that Tennessee is in right now. And, and I mean, I even had to that same set of tweets. I I tweeted in response, and you know, and I basically just said in response to what I was talking about there on Twitter. I said Tennessee needs to give kids more reasons to come to Tennessee. That's what Tennessee needs to do right now. You, you don't need to be disappointed that a kid didn't come. You need to look at that entire program and go make it right, and then the kids will come. But I had responses to that couple of people that said something along the lines of, well, you wanted Pruitt gone, and this is now you have you made your bed, now you got a lion in it. And I was like, what? <laughs> no, no. That is not what any of this. I, I'm glad that Pruitt and all of that nonsense has been exercised out of this program. That that's I do not want him back for one second because if you kept Pruitt, what would have happened is that you would still have these NCAA sanctions hanging over Tennessee, and you'd still have Jeremy Pruitt as your coach. I mean, it's just the worst of all worlds. There, at least now you're giving yourself a, a chance and some giving yourself some hope with Heupel. Uh and and so there's there's that. I was shocked when I saw <laughs> saw those responses, but hey, to each their own. Um, but it it just it speaks to the situation as a whole and and it does i go all the way back and i say man i feel bad for josh heupel because he is just i mean he is pushing a boulder up a hill right now and it is just rolling back on him constantly i i you know what else can you really say about that situation but we can bookend it all and say you have quarterbacks in the room that have the potential to change this thing immediately. And that's good. And I think, I think, and I hope that that will happen this year. I do think the offense will be significantly better. It'll be more simplified under Heupel. He'll, he, I believe just looking at the tape that I've watched of Heupel's teams, he is better at letting the star shine. He is good at pinpointing guys, putting them in the places that they need to be in an offense. And I'm excited to see what he can do there. So there's there's the positivity on that situation. But if we're looking strictly at Ty Simpson, Sam Horn, it just goes along with everything we've seen this whole offseason that it is just <sighs> Tennessee is just not viewed favorably right now by nearly anyone outside of uh, outside of Knoxville. And it, it just is what it is. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I, I saw a interview today that Taven Jackson did with uh, Austin Price from VolQuest. And there's one thing that he said that really stuck out to me and really kind of falls in line with what you're saying. He told Austin Price uh, when he asked him about Tennessee, Taven Jackson said, I know that Peyton Manning went there and that's really all I know about the school. He knows that Peyton Manning went to Tennessee 24, 25 years ago and that's it. That's that's all these kids, and that's probably nearly every recruit outside of Tennessee and Western Georgia, Northwestern Georgia, that area, out right outside of, of that area. That is all these kids really know. And that's how do you, what are you selling right now besides Josh Heupel and his offense? I mean, that's, that's tough. I mean, like Ty Simpson said, during his recruitment, you commit to a school and not a coach. 
Man, I mean, that's tough. What are you committing to right now if it's Tennessee? This was always my argument with uh, Holly Warlick with the Lady Vols when it it was pretty clear it just wasn't going to happen three years in, I'd say. Been a, just my, my whole family have been big Lady Vol fans since I was a little kid. We had season tickets. I mean, I just love it. I got got to meet Pat Summit and went to games every Sunday. I mean, and so I, I really, I watched closely and I was very concerned about that situation. And you could see, you know, the last time they won a national title was 09 and come 2017, you were kind of going, okay, we're going on a decade here without the Lady Vols really being fully relevant. Um, we need to get this going. We need, you know, let's, if, if you get further away, the only great team that anybody knows of women's basketball right now is UConn. Like the, it's, they think of UConn as what the Lady Vols was. And a lot of people kept saying, oh, well, the Lady Vols, it just sells, the, the brand sells itself, the brand sells itself, the brand sells itself. At a certain point, it's not going to sell itself anymore. Because nobody's going to know about, now, Pat Summit's a different thing. You know, the greatest women's basketball coach of all time. It, it, takes a, it takes a while longer for that shine to wear off. But there has to be urgency there. And... I, I hopefully with Kelly Harper, the Lady Vols did not miss their window there. I think they can climb back into relevancy before it's too late with her. And it's looking good. They had a really nice win over South Carolina recently, and that's awesome. But uh, with football, you miss that window. It has flown by and an entire generation plus has gone without knowing anything good about Tennessee football. I mean, not even the last time Tennessee made the SEC championship game, they backed in because other teams lost in 07. And so, I mean, when was the last truly great Tennessee football team? Oh, one. I, I 2015 should have been it, but you had a bum coach. Yeah. I think and, 20, 2015 was the last fun one. Well, 2016, that was a fun year. Because, yeah. 2016, you, you know, you, those first five games of the year, like 2004, maybe. I mean, if Eric oh, doesn't get oh, hurt, they yeah. beat Notre Dame. Maybe, you know, they can't get past that Auburn team, but that, that was a fun team to watch. But yeah, that's that's pretty bad when we're having to pick out two or three teams from the last 20 years that were pretty decent. I mean, you are talking all of these recruits have never seen Tennessee football be good. Now they can come to the stadium and see 102-455 and the energy that that brings. And when it's great, it's unbelievable. It, and that right but, there, isn't it? The fact that the best atmosphere that Tennessee's seen in the last 10 years was the 2015 Oklahoma game that Tennessee lost. That's the <laughs> that's like the best moment of the last 10 years was a game that they lost. That kind of tells you everything you need to know, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. The now nah, the 2016 Florida game was pretty electric. I mm -hmm. I will say that. Not as not as exciting of a game, probably. It was a more exciting win of it you know you won right but but like maybe not as electric of an atmosphere but like the, and we're talking the last time you had a truly special atmosphere in Neyland where where you felt like the game truly mattered you were truly relevant you could win a big game like the last time was 2016 guys it's there not was, good there was really no like what was the best moment of the Pruitt era. I mean, there was the Auburn win that was, but that was on the road. Like what was the best moment in Neyland stadium under Pruitt? The most exciting moment there beating Kentucky. Yeah. Because <laughs> that, that Kentucky team was basically the best team Kentucky's ever had. 
and Tennessee sucked life right out of them and ended up beating them by, I mean, what did they end up winning by like 14 points in that game? Yeah. Weirdly. Um, yeah. I mean, it was a sad three years. Mm-hmm. I don't, I will never truly understand the folks that were clinging to Pruitt at the end. Like what did people see? I, I don't, and I don't, I don't want to just turn this into a Pruitt bashing fest, but he is the reason his tenure and time at Tennessee is the reason that Tennessee is in this mess. He did the cheating or people under him did the cheating and it all blew up. Whether you think Tennessee's admin handled it correctly or not, that's an entire other discussion, but it all blew up and here we are. And he was the catalyst of all of it. And that's undeniable. And that's just the discussion that has to be had when you talk, when you specifically talk about like Ty Simpson in this situation, that was all blown up because Pruitt is gone and that's all on Pruitt himself. And I mean, he's been burned. He's getting sent back to the stone age, having to go host host, having to go coach in the NFL. And so I, I, don't I will know. say we, there's, there's one thing that I do think that, that Tennessee did that in retrospect was a mistake. And I think the press conference with Philip Fomer and the chancellor and the president was a mistake. I think they should have just put out a press release, fired Pruitt, moved on. I I just don't think that broadcasting on SEC Network, making it this huge ordeal and just really magnifying the situation worked in their favor at all. It should have been – they they let – Specifically, she she handled herself well in general. They let Dondi Plowman say too much. Yes, she she got out there and said like, "This is a really bad situation, guys, and I'm not happy about it." And all all that it should have been was her walking out and being like, "Pruitt is fired. Fulmer is retiring. Have a good day." And then she got down. That's all it should have been. She answers a couple of questions. And, and when asked about the violations, she should have gone, I plead the fifth. We'll talk about it later and gotten off stage. That's all it should have been. And they, they gave away too much. Now, in the search, that question would have come up a million times with every candidate. What are the violations going to be? What are the violations going to be? What are the violations going to be? That would have come up a ton. But you wouldn't have your chancellor on record saying, guys, this is bad. <laughs> yeah. And and that I think I think that would have made a pretty big difference. I completely agree on that. I think Plus, that was a misstep. It was in the middle of January when nothing else is going on at all. I mean, you, it's 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 the center. It's the main news story during that cycle for for pretty much a whole day nationally. And then you, you I don't know. It that was a misstep. I think Tennessee had zero to gain from that. There was a lot of different ways I think they could have handled it. And it just, I mean, it's what we've seen Tennessee do for 10 years, dating back to when Lane Kiffin left and they tried to give him an opportunity to speak to the media and it just turned into just a circus. Tennessee had nothing to gain from that on that night either. And we've seen plenty of that over the years where Tennessee just you know, always makes the move they shouldn't make. It, yeah, to me, it all just funnels back to not having a reactive admin rather than an, a, a proactive admin, you know, a, a truly competent AD. And I hope Danny White becomes this in his time at Tennessee. We'll see. Uh, and I've said it before. After the Kentucky game, they should have gone, this clown is out of here. We don't lose to Kentucky by 30 at home. That's what it should have been. And, and then you don't drag it out 
the news of this NCAA investigation likely never comes out. You know, you you start as the team. You're in the catbird seat for a new coaching candidate. You have all that time to find a new one, build a, a you know a base of uh, with the search firm or whatever. Like, and and then you could have been in a much more advantageous decision. But what that would have required is going all the way back to the hiring of Pruitt and not hiring Fulmer and having a different AD. And so all the time, as the case is with Tennessee, it's woulda, coulda, shoulda. We should have done this. We should have done that. We should have done. And, and hindsight is 2020, of course, but uh, that that's just the way it is. And now, and now you have uh, former assistants of Pruitt coming out. And I get, this is good a time. I wanted to talk about this last week before the Ty Simpson news and everything. Uh, but you got Terry Fair coming out talking about how dysfunctional that whole situation was with Pruitt. And I, I mean, I don't know if you, do you have any of that in, in front of you? I know you wrote about it, um, but he had some I mean, interesting things to say about Pruitt. Yeah. None, none of it was really shocking uh, at all. I was more, I was just surprised he went on the record about it because it's the first time we've really heard a Tennessee assistant uh, that was under Pruitt kind of go on the record. And he, you know, he didn't dive deep into it. He tried to be classy about it, but he was pretty straight up that he was miserable at Tennessee, that he wasn't really allowed to coach the way he wanted to coach, uh, that he didn't feel like any the players were developed because the, all the assistant coaches, in his view, were kind of handcuffed to what Jeremy Pruitt wanted them to do. And he also alluded to not being surprised at all about the recruiting violations. So clearly from the get-go, there was some kind of shady stuff going down, which also kind of brought up, uh, reminded me of when David Johnson, the former wide receivers coach, running backs coach at Tennessee, made that comment after he went to Florida State about not trusting Jeremy Pruitt. It was a comment that was never supposed to be public. I think he was speaking at like a recruiting function or something, and somebody had kind of recorded the video, and it got posted online somehow. And he kind of said it's hard for him to to stay somewhere where he doesn't trust what's going on. You start hearing all this stuff together, and it, it kind of all makes sense, you know, why we saw all these assistants kind of fleeing from Pruitt. You know, Kevin Scherer, who he was good friends with, Chris Rumpf, they all – leave for other jobs Tyson Helton got out pretty quick realized he didn't really mesh with Pruitt very well you know all the signs were there just like they were with Butch like they were with Dooley we ignored them for a bit until we couldn't anymore but no nah, I wasn't I wasn't really surprised to hear Terry Fair talk like that and and really in retrospect when you look at Alante Taylor and Bryce Thompson, uh, they were two of Tennessee's best players in 2018. They were both true freshmen. They played extremely well. Terry Fair was gone after that season. And I really feel like both of those players kind of peaked under Terry Fair, or at least their development kind of stalled once he left. I can say I went to practices. That was at the end of my time as a Tennessee reporter was right when Pruitt showed up. I was, I did, I believe spring his first spring practice. And then I was out if I'm remembering correctly and the dynamic, cause he's always been the, the defensive backs guy, the dynamics 
were off there. Um, and so, well, no, am I thinking I did, I did the whole season that year. Now that I'm, I'm thinking about it, that was 2019 was my last anywho. I'm, I'm just losing my mind anyway. <laughs> um, but I, you know, that was just like near the end of my time at Tennessee, but I went to a number of practices with Pruitt at, at the helm. And the dynamic was weird because he wanted to be in there with the DBs and, you know, all over on the defense. And so, you know, just uh, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. I may not have thought that much about it then, but looking back, I kind of go, yeah, all of this makes sense. It all makes sense that this guy, he was a, a micromanager. He wanted to be in everybody's business. You had coaches after the fact saying they didn't trust him. He's saying they're not surprised at the recruiting violations, blah, 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 blah. It's exactly like Butch in that this guy is who we thought he was. And that sucks because I I liked Pruitt's public persona in a general sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was rough when it was ending, you know, near the end. Uh, he was kind of flailing around and was getting backed into a corner and wasn't looking so great, but You know, outside of that, I kind of liked him as a public figure in the way that he was. Uh, And at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, I think he was just a micromanaging hothead who didn't know how to coach, uh, be a head coach. He knew how to coach. He knew how to be a coach. I always said that. Like, he's he's an assistant coach. He's not a head coach. And so we we could rag on him all day. I don't even really want to do this that much. But that's all of this. Can, we could round out this whole conversation and say, because of Pruitt and all of that nonsense, that is how we got here. And that is why I truly feel for Hypel and his staff right now, because they are just in a crap situation fighting uphill. And and I know they, they need to bring in some recruiting powerhouses. I know like a like Jerry Mack they brought in because of his sort of his connections in Memphis. And they got some guys like that. Hopefully they can they can get a grip on things and and help Tennessee keep the borders closed or whatever Hypel said at the beginning but right now it's just rough man it's really really rough yeah and and, and like we said it, it's not Hypel's fault and i'm hopeful for the Hypel error i think you have to be I, I don't think being pessimistic off the bat is is it's not going to do you any good if you're a Tennessee fan you might as well just be hopeful because this is the guy you've got for at least probably the next four or five years at the least. I mean, they can't they can't move on from him after three years. They contract contractually, unless they just really want to go further in debt, they have to stick with him. I know there were plenty of people who hated the Pruitt hire from the beginning just for the mere fact that they wanted to be say they were right after three years. I mean, that's fine if that if that's the view you want to take on Hypel. And so be it. I don't get it. When when he when he screws up, we're gonna call him out on it, just like we have every other coach. I mean, and it's gonna happen. I mean, he's gonna have missteps. He's gonna screw up. He's gonna lose games he shouldn't lose. He's gonna make bad in-game decisions, just like every other coach does at some point. I get it. It's gonna happen. But this stuff with missing on Ty Simpson and Sam Horn, none of it is on hypo. None of it, one bit in my mind. No, and I, I think that is the bottom line. And we'll. As you're saying there, it's always just going to be balls and strikes 
with us. When it's good, we'll call it good. When it's bad, we'll call it bad. And if that comes off as negative or whatever, so be it. But I'm just, I'm not going to sit here on this show that I'm putting my name on and, and blow smoke at you. So, cause you're, you're taking the time to listen to this and I, I appreciate that. And so this is what you get folks. Uh, but any, before we, we move on, cause I do thinking of, you know, calling balls and strikes. We need to talk about Rick Barnes, the basketball team uh, to, to end this thing off. But any any final notes on on uh, the hype bowl situation? And hope hopefully we can just sort of move on, get into spring practice, and it, and it'll be just a, a little more easy going forward through this offseason. Yeah, I think people should just, like I said, keep being optimistic. The Todd Simpson and Sam Horn deal, that's not over. They're committed. Um Todd Simpson's not the crown jewel of Alabama's recruiting class. He's not the only quarterback they're going to pursue. I keep an eye on that. I, I don't know what will happen there. I'm not saying that Tennessee's going to jump back in the picture or that he'll end up at Tennessee or anything like that, but I don't think Heupel is done recruiting him. I don't think he's done recruiting Sam Horn either. Uh, and, you know, he's got other options too, so Tennessee will be fine at quarterback. Yeah, well, we'll just have to see what happens, but – Moving on from there, there are other sports at Tennessee, and for a good portion of the season, the other major sport happening has been pretty fun to watch. The Tennessee basketball team has definitely had its moments this year, winning at Rupp, just winning. The, I mean, they're a tournament team um, pretty easily at this point, I think. Uh, but, man, this team... So uh, I, I guess full full disclosure, where this is Sunday night before it comes Sunday the twenty eighth before it comes out on Monday the first, we just watched Tennessee lose by double digits to Auburn, and Rick Barnes lost to Bruce Pearl for the sixth time in a row, mm. uh, and that's not good. Lost to uh, LSU recently. You got played closely by a Vanderbilt team that was essentially missing its two best players and a Vanderbilt team that you played at full strength earlier in the year and you whipped. Um, And then suddenly they lose two of their best players and now they're playing Tennessee close late in the season. Um, This team has gotten worse as the season has gone along and I, I have clung to Tennessee basketball as the beacon of hope and all things that are good in orange and white. Why, why does this have to be happening? I love this team and the kids that are on this roster. When they are at their height, they are an excellent basketball team. And they just so seldom play at that level. It is killing me on the inside. And it hurts to watch. (laughs) And I, I got a lot of thoughts on this, but. But what do you think, Zach? Oh, it's it's unexplainable. I mean, uh, it really feels like since the Kansas game that something has just not really been right. I mean, starting with the Ole Miss game that they they should have never lost. Um, they they've just really been inconsistent. I don't know it. It really feels, I mean, I hate to say this because it feels like a cop out, but it does feel so much like it's just bad coaching. Like they just, there's so much talent there. And we've seen that talent in spurts. Like we've seen it when they just kind of let loose and 
and the young guys are allowed to play and run the court. It's a, it's a fun team to watch. And then all of a sudden they're just dreadful offensively, just like miserable to watch. Like it hurts to watch you know, their offensive possessions at times. And I, I don't understand how they can be that inconsistent and not be coaching. It really feels like I, I do think it's coaching and that's the main, the main and really tough discussion to be had here. Cause you have Rick Barnes who has flipped Tennessee basketball and, and gotten it to a place, I mean, where you had a season where they were number one for six weeks and you had these unbelievable team leaders and a culture that has been built of, like an exemplary culture of leadership and, and accountability that was really there with uh, with Grant and Admiral and hasn't definitely hasn't fully gone away, but the leaders just aren't there. I mean, one of one of your best players doesn't speak great English. I mean, Eve Pons, it's way, 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 way better than it was when he first showed up to Tennessee. But he's still, I mean, he's a guy from France. And his communication skills are probably not as good as they could be. And then you have John Fulkerson, who, while it seems like he he's a good team leader who sort of drives the culture of the team, he's just not be he's not delivering on the court. He he will have monster games and then he'll disappear for games at a time. And then your best players, and this this is really the ble- the entire blessing and the curse of this team. Your best players are freshmen. And while that's awesome when they shine, and and they, good Lord, they are. I mean, the, these guys are having 20, 25-point games. They're so dynamic, especially when they get out and run. And they're extremely fun to watch. But you just don't want to be relying on freshmen. Like, the, the teams with Grant and Admiral were so great because they'd had that true senior leadership. Guys that had been there, done that seen it all you know you, you had admiral who had who had been like suspended on the team before he kind of knew what that was like and he could speak to that as a leader and then he he could be this dynamic guy who, who came from like a military family and and was just sort of this team leader and this team is just devoid of of that person it's just not there that guy is not there and it hurts badly and then on top of that this is where i get to Rick needs to find that guy, even if it's not there. And if he can't find it, Rick just needs to be that guy. And he also, I've said it for weeks and weeks now, he, to me, he is not maximizing the abilities of this basketball team in the style of play that he's kind of forcing on them. And I don't like it. And it hurts me. And I I hate to say it. I And I will start all of this by saying, I do not want Rick Barnes fired. Do not come at me on Twitter after you listen to this episode and you go, here goes Charlie. He wants he wants Rick fired. He's the fire everybody guy. No, I don't want Rick, Rick Barnes fired. But I will say this. Rick Barnes makes $5 million. Rick Barnes makes more money than Bill Self. And Bill Self has won a national title. Rick Barnes makes $5 million and he needs to coach like a $5 million coach. That is the bottom line. He needs to coach like a $5 million coach. I don't care if you think in your mind that I want Rick Barnes fired. I do not. But he needs to coach like a $5 million coach. I do not need to be looking at this team with this crazy amount of talent and going, Ugh, if he would just let them run, let them loose, do this, do that, this could be better. I mean, three five-star guys out there when you include 
uh, Triple J. Eve Pons, total physical freak. John Fulkerson, again, fun leader who's just not consistent enough. But it's all there for this team, and it's not being maximized like we've seen with Rick Barnes' teams in the past. And I just have to hold Rick to the standard that, frankly, he created. I mean, he made it this way. Don't bring in five-star players and have teams that make it to number one in America and then have a really disappointing basketball team. (laughs) I mean, he did it to himself. And that, like I said, I got thoughts. I got a lot of thoughts on this. I I love Tennessee basketball, and I want to see them shine. But this is just not as good as this team can be. Yeah, they're they're really in a tough position because I agree with you. Rick Barnes shouldn't be fired. You can't fire Rick Barnes. I mean, Tennessee's going to make the NCAA tournament again. They... They're going to be a tournament team pretty much on a yearly basis as long as Rick Barnes is the coach. But at the same time, he's making a lot of money, and he's not he's not he's not delivering the product that they're that Tennessee's paying for, like you said. But is he? It, this is who Rick Barnes is. Like the, we know who he is as a coach. He's been the same coach since he was at Clemson. Pretty good. Going to get you to the tournament. Going to have some really good teams. Going to flirt with being the number one team in the country. Going to have some exciting stretches. But ultimately, this is what you're looking at. Losing games you shouldn't lose. These kind of stretches where you're just confused at what's happening. I mean, it's the reason that Texas moved on from him. He's doing the same thing that he did at Texas, at Tennessee, I feel. I mean, is that... Are you okay with that at Tennessee? Is that... Is that good enough? Is that what you want to see in Tennessee basketball? Or is there something better out there? Is there is there you obviously want to see Tennessee play better than this? You want to see them reach a final four, get to a championship game. Is Rick Barnes ever going to be that guy that does that? He never has been before. So at sixty six years old, are we silly for thinking that suddenly he's gonna become this elite? coach that has Tennessee knocking on the doorstep of the Elite Eight in the Final Four every single year? Just to put this into perspective, Rick Barnes, and it's not all about the money. I just, in a general sense, I just expect more from Rick Barnes, and that's the bottom line. But just to put this into perspective, Rick Barnes makes more money than Tom Izzo at Michigan State, Roy Williams at North Carolina, Again, Bill Self at Kansas. And hey, hey, he handed it to Bill Self earlier this year. Awesome. Um, And Rick is the number four highest paid coach in college basketball. Number six is Jay Wright at Villanova, who has won two national titles in the last five years. I mean, he makes more than Jay Wright. Like, don't say that I can't ask more of Rick Barnes. This dude is making more money than Jay Wright. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Like, this is not crazy. And I know I love Rick Barnes, and I love truly what he has done with Tennessee basketball. It is a revelation. He has flipped the thing on its head from the dark days that it that it's seen before. You know, I, I never thought that Tennessee would ever be a basketball team that was number one for six weeks out of a season. That's amazing. But there's a pattern of behavior here with Rick or a pattern of coaching, I guess, where he can bring in the guys and then he just doesn't deliver the final product being runs in the NCAA tournament, final four appearances, 
national titles. And what he's getting paid at Tennessee says that he does. And that's just, to me, the bottom line right now. We will see. I need this team so, so, so badly to show up. But tomorrow is March 1st. And March is when you got to be playing your best basketball. We'll revisit this, obviously, as as it goes along, as the tournaments happen. And we'll talk about all of that. But right now, it is concerning. And this team has gotten worse as the season has gone along. And I do not like it. And that's... Yeah, that's a- that's the concerning part. I mean, this is kind of where you're supposed to be finding your groove, finding out who you are as a team. And this team simply has no identity at all. I mean, it's they're lost. There's just, yeah, completely. And I mean, there's, I don't know, even hoping, it feels like hoping that they're going to find that suddenly like against Florida or in the SEC tournament or something is just, why are we even holding out hope for that at this point, based on what we saw the last five or six games? Yeah, you're, you're grasping at straws. If, if I can... That Vanderbilt game, just... I don't think we ever talked about that. Was, there were stretches of that game that were just horrible to watch. I mean, just dreadful, awful. And I mean, as I, I said after that game, I mean, it's 100% clear that in their sleep, this basketball team can be in the, the top half of the SEC. You know, they're, they're not the dregs. But... I mean, there's so much more to this team. I mean, like you said, it was just abysmal. Tennessee should have won that game by 50. That Vandy team sucks. They're awful. I, I mean, specifically with, with Pippen Jr. out. Is it Pippen Jr.? What's mm-hmm. it? It is. It's yeah. Scotty Pippen Jr., yeah. right? And, and, you know, all those guys out and you just go, what is this? Why is this not better? I mean, this is a team that blew Kentucky out in the second half at Rupp Arena, and then they turn around and they lose to Kentucky at home by 15. What is this? What is happening? Why? This is, I mean, you want to talk about a bipolar team. I, it's crazy. I, I don't know that I've seen, like, the teams with Grant and Admiral would have off games. That happens to everybody. For some reason, those teams, they always struggled with Georgia. For some reason. I mean, I just remember that. They just had a tough time beating Georgia. And you kind of go, why? Georgia sucks. And, y- you know, you're having a tough time with them. And But this this is just like, where is it even any of this coming from? You slap Kansas across the face. And then you lose to Ole Miss. What? Now, I think they were what filling we themselves a little too much after that Kansas game, for sure. Ooh, yeah. I mean, that, that was when it it started coming into view how much potential the freshman had where you go, mm-hmm. look at these guys right here. And then the Kentucky game at Rupp and they just took over in that second half. And I mean, it's, it's easy to just see when they capitalize. I mean, it is there for this team. They are just not putting the puzzle pieces together and whose job is it to do that? Rick Barnes. So Rick, please do it. So we don't have to have this discussion, please, please, please. Cause it sucks. I want, to have this bright spot in Tennessee sports, please and thank you. Hey, look, speaking of bright spots, uh, I believe the NCAA tournament is going to have some fans now that's been announced, right? Did I hear that correctly? Uh, I think so. Let's confirm. Because, look, 
I mean, NCAA simply having the NCAA tournament's a win, but if there's going to be some fans there. NCAA that... to att- to allow limited fan attendance. Uh, 25% capacity with physical distancing. So, yeah, a little bit. I mean, that needs to be, it seems like kind of every game is going to be like those early uh, <laughs> the 12 o'clock games. Uh, yeah. The, the tournament when Drexel and somebody, you know, Indiana's playing or something. Exactly. But that's okay because it's more, more than nothing. And, and you know, and I'll say, man, I, uh, I don't know what the ultimate trajectory will be, but all of that right now, because of the vaccines and uh, a lot of people getting it and having immunity or whatever with COVID, it's looking a lot better right now. And hopefully we turn whatever corner is coming with that sometime real soon, because I want to get back to having a big fat packed stadium, uh, specifically Neyland stadium this coming year. Um, Although will it be packed? Even if given the opportunity, Mm. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, but I will we'll say see. that with, with Josh Heupel, even even if he goes, you know, five and seven, six and six, six and six would be tremendous. Uh, That'd be but great, if he goes, yeah. if he goes five and seven this first year, I expect it to at least be fun football to watch because Jeremy Pruitt's five and seven, even Jeremy Pruitt's seven and five or eight and five in, in uh, 2018 was incredibly boring. I mean that. The, when they beat Mississippi State, that was one of the most boring oh. wins I've ever seen in my life. I mean, they pretty much took the ball out of the quarterback's hands, just handed the ball off every single time until they absolutely had to throw the ball on third down a couple of times to kind of secure the win. It was it was not fun football to watch, even when they did win games. At least Heupel, hey, if you're going to lose, put up some points and make it fun. Yes, please. I, I so badly want... If I'm going to lose, let's lose 41 to 35 rather than 17 to 12. Like, (laughs) please. It's like the 2012 Tennessee season. They went five and seven, but those were some fun games, even though. Yeah. Break, break. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, I think that's, that's going to be it. Tennessee basketball. Step it up. Wake up, please, please, please. I need it for my sanity. And spring football is right around the corner, and hopefully we see a little bit of excitement there. So, But we'll talk about it all as it comes. I'm Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan. This has been the Big Orange Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. At Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com for all that Zach writes. And the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed Rate, review, subscribe, blah, 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 do whatever you want to do, because this is America. Um, all right. I think going to hopefully the, the wife is on the mend. I'll go see how her arm is doing right now. And, uh, and we'll get back to it, hopefully on time and on schedule next week. And we'll talk to you all then. See you guys later.